Hello, everyone. Welcome to This One's Good. My name is Logan. Um, So this is the first episode, and this is basically just a way for me to kind of spend some of my time. Um, It's going to be a true crime or story or myth or mythology, whatever, podcast where I basically just tell you stories in my own little way. So for our first episode, I thought that I would tell a story that a lot of people know um, and so that we can kind of put our feelers out, okay? So today I'm going to be talking about Ted Bundy um, and his murder spree during the 70s, okay? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about his early life, okay? So Ted Bundy was born on November 24th, 1946, um, and his mother had said that he was a pretty normal kid. Um, He showed some, like... I don't know, I guess like behavioral issues, but all kids were like that. But he also was super, super charismatic and very, very intelligent. Um, And so during like the spring, so he's an adult now. We've moved to adulthood. He's made it through his teen years. Um, So during the spring and summer of like 1974, um, police in like Washington and Oregon and the Pacific Northwest um, were like freaking out. Because women across um, that area were like disappearing super, super quickly. And it was mainly just um, mainly just college student girls or like sorority girls. Um, and like law enforcement had no, like they had no idea what's going on, what happened. Um, and so in just six months in that area, six women had been abducted or have gone missing. Um, and so like the panic just kept rising. No one felt safe. No one knew what was going on. Um, and so there was a woman named Janice Ott and another woman named Denise Mary Nasland. Um, and they disappeared in broad daylight at Lake Sammamish State Park, which was like a crowded kind of a state park. And there was like a beach there. Um, and it was during the summer and it was super crowded and they just disappeared in broad daylight. Um, and so those were kind of breaking for that area and were pretty big news, but they never like really prompted a huge investigation. But um, the boldest of the abductions like started the case, you know what I mean? So like all of these had just been like random um, kidnappings or assaults in other sorority houses, but this one where it was the two women and they just went in broad daylight and no one knew where they went. Um And so, like, on the day that um, Janice and Marie, or Denise, sorry, Janice and Denise um, went missing, a lot of other women in the area remembered being approached by this man who um, had tried to lure them into his car by, like, saying he had had car trouble or, like, he needed help getting something, and they all, like, turned him down. Um, And all of these women told the authorities that he was like super attractive and his, but his arm was in a sling. Like he had his like, like a broken arm. Um, And that they all, every single one of them told police that his vehicle was a brown Volkswagen Beetle. So we all know what like Beetles look like. They're like the round ones, but it was brown. Um, And the Ned, the name that he would give them was Ted. He would say that he was Ted and that he had some car trouble and needed some help. Um, so after releasing like a description and like a sketch to the police, um, the police were contacted by four people who identified as Ted Bundy in the city of Seattle. So there were four people that falsely like responded to police ads or police calls saying that they were Ted. Um, these 
for it or that, that they knew Ted. You know what I mean? They weren't – not all of them said that they were Ted but that they knew him in some capacity or had seen him. Um, and these four people included like Ted Bundy's ex-girlfriend and she um, – and another one was like a close friend of his – one was his coworkers, and then one was like a psychology professor. So these four people um, said that they, the guy that was matching the description, was Ted Bundy, and that they had seen the sketches. He matched, you know, the handsome, charismatic uh, nature. He had a brown bug, and so his ex girlfriend, a close friend, a coworker, and then a professor that had taught him in the past reported his name to the police. But um, the police were like had a bunch, a bunch of tips and they just dismissed Ted as a suspect because like he was like a super clean cut law student and had no uh, record or criminal past or anything. Um, And he didn't show any signs that he was capable of anything. So they like completely just forgot his name and released him as a suspect. Um, And so like this happened a lot to Ted throughout his his um, criminal career he would be, you know, he's so charismatic and handsome and he would never get caught for anything. And so the police would always be like, oh, well, this guy obviously couldn't have done this, this, and this because look at his record. You know what I mean? Um, And so one of the reasons he never got caught because of those reasons. And so he was able to um, kill or rape or abduct at least 30 victims across seven states in the 1970s. So that's 30 women um, that he enticed into a car or ever through his charismatic nature and his handsomeness um and they all unfortunately passed away and those are the only ones that he's confessed to he confessed to the to these 30 women and gave their names to the police but no one knows if that is the true number or if there are more um and so for a pretty long time he had fooled everyone and the cops had no idea that it was this guy and even after he was arrested he like escaped from prison um, and like, he just jumped out of a courthouse, courthouse window and like was on the run for like a day and a half. Um, and they finally caught him anyway. It was, it's crazy. So, um, like going back to Ted's mother, her name was Eleanor Louise Cowell, Cowell. Um, and his father is unknown. His father wasn't really, um, like a big presence in his life. Um, and his, his grandfather actually was pretty abusive to Ted and his mother, um, which caused her to run away with her son um, to live with like some of their cousins in Washington. Um, and like his mom remarried and got a stepfather and Bundy was like not a big fan of this guy. He, you know, reminded him a little bit of, too much of his grandpa and he just wasn't really comfortable around him. Um, but nothing else is really known about his childhood except that he was pretty normal. Um, and he... You know, he was just kind of a charismatic person. But later on in interviews, he had said that he had an ordinary quote, like I'm just going to quote it, an ordi- quote, an ordinary life punctuated by dark fantasies that affected me powerfully, though the degree to which I acted on them remains sometimes unclear, end quote. So he was like, yeah, I was a normal kid, but sometimes I would just have like intrusive thoughts and was like, would have scary kind of weird thoughts. So, um, like we're backtracking a little bit going through the story. Um, so Ted graduated from high school in like 1965 and then he enrolled in the university of 
Puget Sound, which is a, a university in Washington. Um, and he just spent like one year there before transferring to the University of Washington to study Chinese, which is like kind of a weird, I don't know why he would study Chinese, but he studied Chinese. Um, anyway, and he dropped out briefly in like 1968, um, but then like quickly re-enrolled as a psychology major. So he dropped out of college and then came back in with a completely different na- major. Um, and like during the time he was out of school, he, uh, visited like the East coast, um, where he likely first learned that the woman he believed to be his sister was actually his mother, which like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. And I don't like, I don't hear anything else about that. Like that's just mentioned that like there was this huge revelation about his family, but like there's very little information about that actual like issue. Um, so when Bundy was back at the University of Washington, he started dating a woman named Elizabeth Klopfer. Um, she was a divorcee from Utah, um, and she was a secretary at the School of Medicine on campus. Um, and she was actually one of the first people to report Ted to the police as a suspect in the Pacific Northwest murders. Um, so, uh, he... You know, she was a like a secretary and she had a kid and was already married. And so especially at like this time in like late 60s, early 70s, kind of mid 70s, div- divorcees were kind of still looked down upon a little bit. Um, and a lot of the times they wouldn't be given like the same amount of attention from guys or anything like that because they had already been, you know, married or had sex and aren't, aren't virgins anymore. Um, and that, I mean, that's kind of sucks, but that's what, how it happened. Um And so he kind of just finished uh, college, and then in 1973, um, he was accepted into the University of Puget Sound Law School. Um, He decided he wanted to be a lawyer, but after a few months, he just stopped, like, should have just stopped attending classes. Um, And then in January of 1974, all of these disappearances started. Um, so Ted Bundy's first known attack was not an actual murder, but instead it was like an assault on an 18 year old woman named Karen Sparks. Um, she was a student and a dancer at the University of Washington. Um, so I'm going to describe that a little bit. So just um, trigger warnings about sexual assault. Um, Bundy broke into this woman's apartment um, and bludgeoned her until she was unconscious with a metal rod from her bed frame. And then he um, sexually assaulted her with the same metal rod. Um, His assault left her in a 10-day coma and with permanent disabilities. Yikes. Um, And then Ted Bundy's next victim and his first confirmed murder was a woman named Linda Ann Healy. Um, She was a student at University of Washington. Um, A month after his uh, assault with Karen Sparks, who was his first attack, Bundy broke into Healy's apartment in the early morning uh, and knocked her unconscious um, and then clothed her body and carried her out of her home into his car. Um, She was never seen again past this point, um, but part of her skull was discovered years later at one of the locations where Bundy dumped all of his victims' bodies. Um, Afterward, Bundy continued targeting female students in the area He developed this technique of approaching women while wearing a cast and making himself seem, you know, kind of weak or disabled. Um, And then he would ask them to help him put something in his car or to uh, help him with some car trouble. Um, And then most of the time he would bludgeon them unconscious before um, binding them or tying them up, raping them, and then most of the time killing them um, before dumping their bodies in a remote location like the woods or a lake. Um, 
Bundy would often revisit these sites to, yeah, gross, um, to have sex with decaying corpses of the bodies. Yeah, yeah. he's an awful person. Um, In some cases, Bundy would even, like, decapitate the victims' heads and keep their skulls in his apartment and sleep beside them and, like, keep them as trophies. Yeah, um... Bunny was once quoted saying that the ultimate possession was, in fact, the taking of life, and then the physical possession of the remains. So he was recorded saying that, like, the most, like, you know, thrilling thing he'd ever done was killing someone and then keeping their remains. He also went on to say that murder is not just a crime of lust or violence, it be- eventually becomes a possession. The victim are are part the victims are part of you. They become part of you, and then you two are forever one. And the ground where you kill them or leave them becomes sacred to you, and you will always be drawn back to them. Awesome. Oh, he's awful. Gosh. Okay. So over the next five months, Bundy abducted and murdered five female college students in the Pacific Northwest. Um, these women were Donna Gail Manson, Susan Elaine Rancourt, Roberta Kathleen Parks, Brenda Carol Ball, and George Ann Hawkins. Um, responding to this rash, like this large number of disappearances from January to June of 1974, uh, police called for a major investigation and enlisted a number of different government agencies to help look for the missing girls. So one of these agencies was the Washington State Department um, of Emergency Services, sorry, where Bundy had worked in the past. Um, There, Bundy met a woman named Carol Ann Boone, who was a twice-divorced mother of two, whom he would eventually date on and off for years as the murders continued. Um, So as the manhunt for the abductor continued, more and more witnesses produced descriptions that matched Ted's um, physical features, his height, his hair color, um, as well as the brown bug. Um, just as some of the victims' bodies were being discovered in the woods, Bundy was accepted to law school in Utah and then moved to Salt Lake City. Uh, while living there, he continued to rape and murder young women, including a hitchhiker in Idaho, in Idaho and four teenage girls in Utah. Um, these girls' names were Nancy Wilcox, Melissa Smith, Laura Imey, and Debbie Kent. These women were all killed in Utah in 1974. Uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Clopfort was aware, this is, Elizabeth Clopfort is his ex-girlfriend, um, was aware that Bundy had relocated to the area, and on learning of the Utah murders, she called the police a second time to reaffirm her suspicions that Bundy was behind the killing. So, remember, the police, like, dismissed him as a, subse- a suspect because of his, like, his clean-cut record, and his ex-girlfriend was like, you know, I really think that he is the person doing these things. So she re-reported him to the police. Um, there was now a mounting like pile of evidence pointing towards Ted Bundy as being the, um, the, sus- the prime suspect in these cases. Um, and when Washington investigators compiled their data, Bundy's name appeared at the top of their suspect, suspect list every single time. So, unaware of law enforcement's growing interest in him, Bundy continued killing. Um, he went to Colorado, um, and to, he went to Colorado from Utah to murder a couple more women there. Um, and finally, in August of 1975, Bundy was pulled over while driving through Salt Lake City suburbs, um, and police discovered masks, 
handcuffs, um, a blunt and some blunt objects in the car, like pipes and wrenches and things like that. Um, and while this was like not technically enough to arrest him, a police officer realized that Bundy was like a suspect in some earlier killings, put him under surveillance. Um, the officers that like then found like the car, the Brown Beetle, which he had since like sold because the police knew that that was the car the suspect would be driving. Um, and then in that car, they discovered hair matching three of the past victims. And with this evidence, they put him in a lineup where he was identified by one of the women, uh, who he had abducted. So like they just put him in front of her and she, like they, some like reports said that they like, he came out and said like all of the suspects or people in the lineup came out and said like, don't scream or I'm going to kill you or something like that. Um, and then, uh, one of the women whom he had attempted to abduct identified him from that lineup. Um, so he was then convicted of kidnapping and assault and was sent to prison uh, while police attempted to build a murder case against him. So he had not technically been charged, excuse me, technically been charged with kidnapping, I mean murder, only kidnapping and assault. And so while he was in prison, um, they were really trying to ramp up all the evidence they could. Um, but the arrests did not stop Bundy from killing while he was um, under the watch of law. Um, he was soon able, um, for like the first of two times, he escapes jail twice in his lifetime. Um, so the first time he escapes from custody, um, in 1977 in Aspen, Colorado, he escaped from a law library in the courthouse by jumping out of the window. Um, and some reports say that he had been practicing in his cell prior to like jumping from his bed to try and strengthen his ankles and his knees so that the force of him falling out of the window would not break his ankles. Um, and at this time, he was also serving as his own lawyer. Um, and because of that, he was, he was allowed into the library during a break or a recess during his hearing. Um, and so because he wasn't, uh, he was his own counsel. He was unshackled because he had to move around the courtroom. And so he literally just jumped out of the window and ran away. Um, the library window was like a second floor window and he just disappeared in the trees before the guard was able to even check on him or notice that he was gone. Um, and so after he had escaped, he planned to go towards the Aspen mountains in Colorado. Um, and during this time he broke into a cabin and then later a trailer to get some supplies. But like the resources in this area were like super scarce and it wasn't long before he, uh, scrapped his plan to like vanish into the wilderness. So he decided to come back to the town and he stole a car. Um, and he was thinking to himself that like, if he was in a car, he would be able to put, distance between himself and the jail cell that he was fleeing so if he could get away as as far away as possible he thought that there would be a less chance of them catching him um so police officers spotted him like zooming away from aspen he was going super fast um which super stupid the police just saw that he was speeding and pulled him over and he was recaptured uh recaptured after being on the run for six days um and so Bundy's next escape took place just six months later. Um, this time it was from a jail cell. Um, he studied a map of the prison for a long time, and Bundy realized that his cell was directly um, beneath the living quarters of the prison's chief jailer. Um, and the two rooms were, con were separated only by like a small crawl space. So Bundy traded some stuff with another inmate to get like the small hacksaw, 
Um, and while his cellmates were exercising or like showering, he worked away at the cell and like would scrape away layer after layer of the plaster of the walls or the ceiling. Um, and so the crawl space, like after he got through the wall, the crawl space that he was in was like super, super, super small. And he began to like cut back on meals so he could lose weight and so he could fit through the crawl space better. Um, and so since his experience of breaking out last time didn't work out very well, he started to kind of plan ahead. Um, and he stole away like a small pile of money um, that was smuggled to him by Carolyn Boone, who was the woman that he had been dating during the murders that he met at his job. And these, they would later marry on, they would later marry uh, as he was in prison. Um, and he like married themselves because he was like a lawyer and they were in a jail. They were in like the courthouse and I guess in like the state of Florida, which is where he was, you can get married in um, a courtroom and it's like legal. So they're married. Um, and so when Bundy was ready to escape, he um, like just crawled out of the hole um, and swapped a prison jumpsuit for civilian clothes and just literally walked out of the front doors of the jail. Um, and this time he like did not dawdle around. He stole a car immediately and got out of town on his way to Florida. Um, and it was his intention to keep like a super low profile. Um, but his life in Florida was presenting some like really big challenges. He was not able to produce identification because the um, towns and the news had been spreading his name. So he could not get a job. Um, and so he had to go to like resort to like stealing money and drifting around um, and, but his like compulsions and his thoughts of violence were simply too strong for him to ignore. Um, so on January 15th, <clears throat> on Jan excuse me, on January 15th of 1978, two weeks after his escape, Bundy broke into the Chi Omega sorority house on the Florida State University campus. Um, and within a span of just 15 minutes, he sexually assaulted and killed Margaret Bowman and Lisa Levy. Um, he bludgeoned them with firewood or like big logs and strangled them with stockings that he had tied in a knot. Um, he then assaulted Kathy Kleiner and Karen Chandler, who both suffered like super, super horrific injuries and both included broken jaws and missing teeth. Um, he then broke into the apartment of Cheryl Thomas, who lived several blocks away and beat her so badly that she lost her hearing permanently. Imagine how hard that is. You have to, like, someone would have to be hit to lose your hearing, like, permanently. That's insane. Um, and so both Levy and Bowman were both killed. They both died during the attack on the Kyromega sorority house. Um, while still on the run on February 8th, Bundy abducted a 12-year-old girl named Kimberly Diane Leach from her middle school and killed her. Uh, concealing her body on a pig farm. So he kidnapped this 12-year-old girl from her middle school and killed her and just left her in a pig sty, like a pig trough. It's awful. Um, and then once again, his recklessness, he was super reckless and was like not clean with his murders or tried to hide things. He was super like reckless and did not consider details. Um, and so when he had, he had that stolen car, remember, to get to Florida. And when police realized that his plates belonged to a stolen car, they literally just pulled him over and found the three IDs of three dead women in his vehicle, three dead women in his vehicle, linking him to the Florida state crimes. Um, and at the time, Cordy was saying, quote, I wish you had killed me to the officer that was arresting him. So... 
Throughout his next trial, Bundy sabotaged himself by ignoring the advice of his state-appointed lawyers, and he took charge of his own defense yet again. Um, and so he, uh, his defense investigator, Joseph Alloy, said that he would, quote, describe him as being as close to being like the devil as anyone I have ever met, end quote. So, I mean, that's a pretty big name to throw around, comparing him to as close to the devil as anyone he's met. <clears throat> so Bundy was ultimately convicted and placed on death row at Florida's Rayford prison, um, where he suffered abuse from his other prisoners, including a gang rape by four men. Um, and he later conceived a child with Carol Ann Boone while he was in prison. Um, and so he was in prison and he was abused by the other prisoners because he had killed both minors and innocent college aged girls. Um, so Bundy was finally executed by the electric chair on January 24th, 1989 and hundreds of people like gathered outside of the courthouse to celebrate his death. Um, and people were quoted saying, quote, for everything he did to the girls, the bludgeoning, the strangulation, humiliation to their bodies, torturing them, I feel that the electric chair is too good for him. And that was a quote from Eleanor Rose, who is the mother of Denise Nisland, who was a victim of the crimes. Um, so though he confessed to a bunch of murders before his death, the true number of, his, of Bundy's victims remains unknown. Um, Bundy denied certain killings despite physical evidence tying him to the crimes, um, and he alluded to a bunch of others that were never um, substationed, which means that they were like never proved or linked to him. Um, ultimately, all of this led to authority uh, led authorities to suspect Bundy killing anywhere from thirty to forty women, um, making him one of the most infamous and terrifying serial killers in American history and perhaps, quote, the definition of heartless evil, as he was called by many people. So yeah, that is the story of Theodore Robert Bundy, um, one of the most infamous, infamous murderers, murderers in America. Um, he targeted women specifically, um, and he was just an awful person. Um, and so my heart goes out to the families of the victims and anyone who experienced anything um, to do with Ted Bundy. Um, but thank goodness he was executed. Um, so thank you guys so much for the coming to the first episode of this. Um, that one, this one's good. Um, we're still pending on the title. I'm pretty sure it's going to be, this one's good or that one's good. Um, so thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoyed, um, my storytelling. If you have any, um, any requests or any stories you want to hear or any questions you have, just please uh, DM me on Instagram or reach out to me in any way or leave a comment. Um, I've had so much fun and I hope you guys enjoyed it um, and come back for the next episode. Thank you guys.